Welcome to Digital Yom, a podcast about living a symbolic life in a technological age. Man cannot stand a meaningless life. I'm Jason Smith, Jungian analyst and author of Religious But Not Religious, Living a Symbolic Life. And in this episode, we confront the undeniable influence of the unconscious on our psychological life and what it reveals about the complexity of who we are. It's the human soul. That's the very treasure. The following episode is adapted from a blog post that I wrote back in October of 2015. It was titled, The Illusion of Self-Control, and it touches on several of the themes explored in last week's episode and extends them a little further. I've updated and expanded the original content for this episode. Whatever name we may put to the psychic background, the fact remains that our consciousness is influenced by it in the highest degree, and all the more so the less we are conscious of it. The layman can hardly conceive how much his inclinations, moods, and decisions are influenced by the dark forces of his psyche and how dangerous or helpful they may be in shaping his destiny. Our cerebral consciousness is like an actor who has forgotten that he is playing a role. But when the play comes to an end, he must remember his own subjective reality, for he can no longer continue to live as Julius Caesar or as Othello, but only as himself from which he has become estranged by a momentary slight of consciousness. One of the hardest things to grasp about Carl Jung's understanding of the human psyche is the notion that there are aspects of psychological functioning that take place outside the control of the conscious mind. To be sure, most people likely understand on a cognitive level what is meant by the unconscious. But it's another thing altogether to really feel into the experience that there is a realm of our being that is, was, and always will be beyond the reach of our conscious control. The unconscious, as Jung often said, is really unconscious, and it is very real. Well, the drama of life seems to happen on the main stage, as it were. Behind the scenes, there is an enormous amount of activity taking place 
that has an undeniable influence on that drama. But because it's in the background, that is, because it's unconscious, we generally do not experience it as a part of our own being. In other words, it doesn't feel like me. It feels like not me. And at certain times, for instance, during particularly stressful events in our lives. This backstage activity can become so powerful that it's experienced as an actual presence, like a force or an energy that confronts us, disrupting our best intentions. And at such times, we might speak of fate or bad luck or karma. And if it's really bad, we might curse God or look for someone to scapegoat. In the not-so-distant past, people spoke of spirits or demons. And as Jung points out, what we call it is not as important as how it affects us. And so he writes, whatever name we may put to the psychic background, the fact remains that our consciousness is influenced by it in the highest degree, and all the more so the less we are conscious of it. Now, this fact of the influence of the unconscious on our daily lives is a real blow to our belief in ourselves as rational beings. But we can't deal with the situation, says Jung, by pretending that it doesn't exist. Like most things in life, ignoring the problem doesn't make it go away. It just makes things worse. Nor does it work to simply exert more willpower, which is the usual way that ego consciousness attempts to assert control of life. Instead, the Jungian perspective is that we must learn to take this not-me part of the psyche seriously and to develop a relationship with the unknown other within. In 2015, there was an article in the journal Behavioral and Brain Sciences that put forward the theory that the thoughts and decisions that we experience as arising from our conscious mind are actually generated by the unconscious. Now, of course, for Jungian psychology, this is by no means a new theory, but an old, old idea. Indeed, Jung made exactly this point over 80 years ago. The layman, he said, can hardly conceive how much his inclinations, moods, and decisions are influenced by the dark forces of his psyche, and how dangerous or helpful they may be in shaping his destiny. A similar idea had also been articulated by the behavioral economist Dan Ariely in a TED Talk that he gave in 2008. And in his talk, Ariely describes how something as simple as the way that a form is designed, a form used by the Department of Motor Vehicles, for instance, can determine whether people decide 
to become organ donors or not. In his research, Ariely found that people did not make the choice to donate their organs based on a rational decision-making process, or even on the basis of their values. The choice they tended to make was the default choice offered by the form. Some forms read, check the box if you wish to be an organ donor, while others read, check the box if you don't wish to be an organ donor. In both cases, people avoided checking the box, effectively letting the form make the decision for them. Now, how is it that we can't exercise rational control even when it comes to such a momentous decision? Well, it's not lack of caring about the issue, states Ariely, that causes people to leave the box unchecked. On the contrary, it's because we care a great deal. A decision such as becoming an organ donor is complex and difficult. It's so complex, he says, that we don't know what to do. And because we have no idea what to do, we just pick whatever it was that was chosen for us. Ariely's research is indicative of just how little conscious and rational control we exercise when it comes to complex decisions. But what Jung is pointing to takes this idea even further. What Jung is describing is not just the complexity of the decisions we face, but the complexity of our very personality. He's not talking about our behavior. He's talking about our identity. The dark forces of the psyche that Jung speaks about are the unconscious motivations, emotional predispositions, conditioned responses, and collective or archetypal tendencies to which we are all subject. They are those parts of our personality that we deny and that have been relegated to what he calls the shadow, as well as those parts of our personality that we do not yet know and which have not yet been developed. Far from being a unified consciousness, the human being is a multiplicity, the ego thinks it's the star of the show, but it's just one of the many characters that are driving the drama. And these multiple figures are none other than the cast of characters that populate our dreams every night. So for Jung, the first step towards a fully authentic life is to acknowledge our participation in this drama, to recognize that we are playing a role. Our cerebral consciousness, he writes, is like an actor who has forgotten that he is playing a role, but when the play comes to an end, he must remember his own subjective reality, for he can no longer continue to live as Julius Caesar or as Othello but only as himself, 
from which he has become estranged by a momentary slight of consciousness. So here we come up against a similar question as the one from last week's episode, episode 17, The Inner World and the Outer World. Are we merely unconscious automatons, deluding ourselves that we can exercise conscious self-control? Is there no such thing as free will? Are we doomed to be forever manipulated by advertising, propaganda, and public opinion? And these are questions, of course, that touch on important religious, philosophical, and even political considerations, and they're beyond the scope of what we can address here. Part of the answer, however, has to do with our overvaluation of our belief in our powers of rational and conscious decision-making. The less that we know about the dark forces of the psyche, about the unconscious, the more susceptible we are to them. What remains unconscious has the ability to take possession of our ego consciousness and become acted out in our lives, and too often in a destructive way. The paradox of the psyche is that it's in knowing and acknowledging our lack of conscious control that we begin to regain some sense of control. And it's by knowing that in us which is not me that we begin to discover that which is truly and more authentically me. And this is a truth known to the mystics of all religions, that is, that you find your true self by growing beyond yourself. And to do this, we need some way to become better acquainted with the inner world and the multiplicity within us. And this is one reason why dreams play such a central role in Jungian analysis. They are a fairly direct means to the backstage activity of the unconscious, and one that is accessible to everyone every night. And it's not even necessary to be able to interpret and understand our dreams, as much as that is both meaningful and helpful. Dreams, as Jung reminds us, are expressions of nature as surely as any tree or flower is, and simply paying attention to them reconnects us with what is natural in us. It can lift us up out of the mire of the present moment and give us intimations of something eternal in much the same way as standing before the limitless ocean or staring up into a starry sky at night can do. Dreams, writes Jung, are impartial, spontaneous products of the unconscious psyche outside the control of the will. They are pure nature, 
They show us the unvarnished natural truth and are therefore fitted as nothing else is to give us back an attitude that accords with our basic human nature when our consciousness has strayed too far from its foundations and run into an impasse. Of course, dreams are not the only means by which to make contact with this background. It is with us at all moments, whether we sense it clearly or not. It makes its presence known through sudden intuitions, spiritual experiences, and creative inspirations. It is this background, when we are in connection with it, that enables us to feel a part of the flow of life. In this way, we overcome the division between the conscious and the unconscious, between the me and the not me. These no longer work at cross-purposes, the one under the illusion that it's in control, while the other secretly and mischievously frustrates all our well-intentioned plans and goals. Instead, they begin to work together. An experience that can help to bring a quiet confidence to our actions and decisions. As this experience deepens in us, as we come to know it and trust it more fully, our lives can become more and more infused with meaning. As the Jungian analyst Marie-Louise von Franz puts it, we feel in contact with our psychic depth and with our own living substance. And then we subjectively feel that life is flowing, that we are alive. Until next time. You'll find information in the show notes for all the sources used in this week's episode, as well as links to connect with me on social media. Let's make this a conversation. If you have any comments or questions about anything you heard in this episode, or that you'd like me to address in a future episode, send them to me on Facebook or Twitter. And finally, if you want a deeper dive into the kind of material explored on this podcast, please check out my book, Religious But Not Religious, Living a Symbolic Life, available from Chiron Publications. Thanks for listening, and take good care.